try different things, see what works for you and identify what works for different types of applications. I want to get really, really good really quick, but time is actually the only thing that can help because if learning only happens in sleep. You're listening to Untamed, a podcast dedicated to empowering you, the lash artist, while providing insights on how to achieve success that is as individual and unique as you are. Each episode, me, Cheryl, and me, Anne-Marie, share our best information openly, without reservation. We discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds for the lash industry. So grab a snack and your comfiest sweater, and get ready to geek out with your new lash BFFs. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe! Hi, Lash Nerds. Welcome back to another episode of the Untamed Podcast. Today, Emery and I, before the podcast started, we were just discussing how beautiful the weather is now and that it's finally summer. For those who don't know, I live in Vancouver and those are the, summer is the only season I look forward to. And then rest of the year, I'm basically a hermit that just hides in bed because of the weather. <laughs> and summer is actually a pretty special season for artists as well, because there's a lot of changes that happens in summer. A, we get an influx of clients during the summertime. It's usually a lot of artists' busiest season besides holiday season. And then also, there's a lot of environmental changes in the summer that as an artist that you have to adapt to, especially if you're a new artist. If this is your first time, first summer lashing, this is an episode that you really want to tune in and just take some notes on. We decided to make this episode pretty short and sweet and simple and break it down into two parts. So we're going to first cover lashing speed. How do you increase your lashing speed so that in this busy season, you can see more clients, but still deliver great quality work. And then after that, Anne-Marie is going to go over some of her advice and tips, help us navigate this difficult summer weather and the changes in our environment. So without further ado, I'm just going to get right into it with this tips of increasing lash speed. I find that a lot of artists constantly ask this question, right? Like, how do I get faster? How do I get faster? And especially when you're a new artist, speed, it's something you really struggle with in the beginning. So let me ask you, Emery, how long did it take you for your first complete set? You know, that's interesting (laughs) because I would set aside like time blocks to just get done as much as I could within that time. So I wouldn't sit there for like 12 hours to do my first (laughs) step, but that's probably how long it would take and still can take me when I'm doing more like portfolio competitive style work. So I'm still a little bit slower of a lash artist, but I'm okay with it. I remember that within like a three hour block, and this includes like cleansing, prep, all of that, I would maybe only get like 10 to 15 lashes on per eye. Wow. Was so slow because if something in my process wasn't going right, I stopped and I would restart if that's my isolation pickup, all of those things. So it got to the point where it was like, I just needed to put some lashes on <laughs> just to keep moving because I got in my head about trying to get everything to be perfect, which can be great. But you also just have to get that muscle memory starting to build up. <laughs> How about you? Did you lash pretty fast right away or? No. I know you weren't as slow as me. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that like in general, I consider myself a quite a fast lash artist because, but that's through practice. It's over time. It wasn't something that happened as soon as I picked up lashing. My first set, full set of classic that I did, I believe, like complete set, because at the time I didn't think like you, right? Blocking the time, which I want to touch on that a little bit later. 
But I actually just lash until I got every single lash that I can on a client who doesn't have has like medium amount of lashes. I wouldn't say that they have super dense and full, but it isn't light and sparse either. And that took me four and a half hours to do classic for my very first mm, complete set. Not too bad. Yeah, I think that that I'm was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> classic was a little bit easier for me. I think we talked about this, how depth of feel, like your eyesight, it's really kind of a natural thing that if you have good depth of feel, lashing does come a, e- a little easier for you in the beginning because you're easier to see the layer. You can identify the isolation a little bit better. So there is that. I think that, you know, my depth of, because I'm nearsighted. So my depth of view has always been really great. So I didn't really struggle with that as much because I see a lot of my students in the beginning that struggle with lash speed. A lot of it has to do with vision. A, they don't know what they're looking at, right? They don't know how to identify whether or not something is attached properly. So they go, especially if they're looking at that top-down view, and then they would assume that they have attached properly. But then when they go and comb, it would come off really easily. So although you may be attaching more times than there is lashes because you're trying multiple times on each lash. So that's something to take into consideration. My first set of volume, full set of volume, took me like six and a half hours, I think, something like that. Yeah, it was, that sounds right for me. It started <laughs> when there was light out. It ended when there's no light out. That's, that's how long it took. <laughs> so thank you to the model who allowed me to, you know, spend that much time. But hearing from someone like us, I, I consider both of us pretty good lash artists. And I want our listeners to know that we all started at a point where it felt really slow, you know, and I thought four and a half hours, like even your reaction, it's considered pretty fast in the beginning. Yes. If you're hearing this and you feel like you're slow, the first advice I want to give you is to give yourself grace. Especially if you're a new artist, give yourself grace to know that everything takes time. That's why when you learn how to drive, you don't get to drive on the highway right away, right? You start in a residential, you get your license. I don't know how it works in the US, but in Canada, you get your license that only allows you to drive in the daytime and not on the highway. Then you get your second license that allows you to drive on the highway and also nighttime with passenger. So you know, it takes time. Everything, skill, anything with like motor skill takes time to build up. So show yourself grace. And speaking of that time blocking, which is why I wanted to revisit it, is that I spent a lot of time nerding out on learning a while back when I was trying to become a trainer. And one of the things that I learned that really stuck with me is that there is a learning threshold, right? A lot of people think that if you sit there straight, for six hours, you're going to get six hours of learning and knowledge. Every hour, you get 10% better. Six hours later, you get 60% better. But unfortunately, that's not how learning works because we actually, in learning, it goes into three modes. There is the observation mode where you are observing something. And then there's the practice mode where you're doing it. And then there is the processing mode, which that's where the learning happens. And in the observation mode and the practice mode, we have what is called a diminishing return. So that means you can only learn for a certain amount of time. Then your brain just start functioning at a fraction of the capacity. So usually that's about two hours. So if you're lashing, you know, that's usually when you, I don't know if you get that. I definitely get that in the beginning. Even now at two hours mark, I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) 
My fans are starting to look sloppy. Yeah, like it started to close. It's not asymmetrical. And also the glue, like everything feels rushed and then I'm getting frustrated. And then so everything happened after that, you're basically getting what is called diminishing return. So in the first two hours, let's say if you're doing 10% learning per hour, your third hour, you're only going to get like a fraction, like maybe less than that, like one to 5%. And then the hour after, even less. So knowing this, don't, if you want to set yourself up for success in your practicing, it's not about, you know, doing it as long as you can in one sitting, but it's about space repetition, which means that you guys can look that up. It's a learning technique, just means that instead of doing something for a long duration of time, you just repeat short duration over and over and over day after day. And that's about a 25 minutes mark. So when I was training, I tell people, if you're not good at making fans, don't sit there and try to make fans for two hours straight. Just make fans for 25 minutes a day. Like my advice is always put on your favorite sitcom, whether that's friends, office, whatever it is. Start in the beginning of the episode. By the time the episode ends, finish. You don't need to go over it. You don't need to do more because it's actually impractical to go over the time because going back to that three phases I was talking about, the last phase is called processing and that's where learning happens and that happens in your sleep. That literally only happens in your sleep. It does not happen any other time besides your sleep. So it's kind of like what we always say in the podcast, you just got to trust the process. So more is not always more in this case. So those of you who are new and practicing, especially practicing a new skill, right? We get really excited, very passionate, especially being a creative artist. We can sometimes get sucked into this like dark hole of just like, I want to get really, really good, really quick. But time is actually the only thing that can help because if learning only happens in sleep, you have to, unless you take nap in between, I guess that would work. <laughs> but overall, to increase your speed, you will see that it's not a linear process. What that means is that you don't just gradually get better and better and better in every day. If anything, it's more of a bell curve. So you start really, really slow and feel like you're never going to get really good. And then suddenly you're going to hit this like exponential growth where it feels like you're skyrocketing in your growth. The reason why, (laughs) yeah, it's because all of those sleep and rest and practice that you did before build those motor skills, build those like neurons. Because in order for us to learn, it's just repeating the same action over and over. So seems like a counterintuitive way to get faster, but really that's how I got faster. It's yeah. just practice a lot, but not a very long duration. You know, I want to be efficient. So key. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I really like how you mentioned not sitting down for three hours and practicing fan making, maybe breaking it down into that 20 to 30 minute time frame. And just for all of you listening, that can relate to any step of your process. I think it's important to see which step are you least efficient in, what part do you feel like slowing you down, that you're getting the most frustrated. Often I see that in newer lash artists with like pickup and coding. That's a really easy one. You just practice picking up, coding, and discard. Just keep going through and doing that so that you can fine tune how much adhesive you're trying to coat, picking up at the proper angle, all of those different aspects. And then you can also practice it with isolation. So you could just have a mannequin or a friend lay down and just practice only isolating. 
you know, and isolating and then looking around the room because you have to practice, especially isolating and then bringing your other hand down to pick up the extension. Oftentimes our entire body shifts. So sometimes just breaking it down is extremely helpful. And then when you go back into that full set, you're not frustrated. You're not putting all that pressure on yourself. You're allowing yourself the grace that Cheryl's talking about. I think that it's really a good way. And I've seen a lot of success with it. Yeah, absolutely. The reason why I got so interested into learning, it's because I know that like our brain has a way to optimize itself, right? And from every resources that I read and learn, it's never been like the more work you put in, the better. It's always been consistency and it's always been not overload, right? And I think that that's something that really needs to highlight. If you are an educator who is thinking about going into education, that's something that I really highly recommend you to look into. It's really understanding how learning works so you can help your students succeed more, more likely that they would get better results. And then you're more likely to have a better experience and reputation as an educator. So the second thing that like, I think it's really important when it comes to increasing lash speed This one seems very kind of straightforward. It's testing your eyesight. Having good (laughs) eyesight, it's so, like I, I, you know, touched on that earlier, that depth of feel, it's what helps you identify layers. It's what helps you can see closer in distance. This is something that you can actually do an online test. Like if you Google, there's online tests that you can test your depth of feel. When you go and get an eye exam, it's the one that they show you. And then they ask you like, out of all these black and white symbols, which one pops out to you, right? Like that's what tests your depth of feel. Not everyone has the same depth of feel. And luckily, there's also like exercises, eye exercises that you can do to strengthen them as well. But overall, I think as a lash artist, you should go and get an eye examination once a year to just like, you know, that's kind of your the most important part besides your hand, that's the second most important part of your body that you really need for your (laughs) service. So you want to take care of it and then get the appropriate eyewear for it as well. You know, some people prefer like, you know, for me, like I can't wear contact lenses when I'm lashing. I start seeing doubles, even though like sometimes I wear it when I drive and when I go out. So knowing what works for you and your eyesight, it's really, really important So whatever, if you feel like right now that you're trying really hard and you just can't, you understand the concept of layer when you see like infographics and, you know, Instagram content, you get it. But when you sit in front of a client, you're struggling. Maybe it's just, it's not that you don't get it. Maybe it's just that you need some different appropriate eyewear that helps you with that. So that's something that I recommend everyone go and check. This is something that new artists don't really think about a lot because we just think, oh, our job is sit down and just apply lashes, you know? Yeah. Like, as long as we have steady hands. <laughs> the, some of the things that I've seen from students that identify that maybe the vision's not where it needs to be yet is like they're attaching too much to the patch. They're having a ton of sticking or they're trying to just like drop the uh, yes, extension drop and then it. all of a sudden it's like lying sideways. So if you're starting to think like my lashes aren't straight, they're all leaning every which direction, that can be a lot of other things too, but it might be worth checking your vision too. And one thing that you can also do to check your vision is take a really good quality picture of your lash work and then zoom into it. 
and see like, oh my gosh, that does not look like how I thought it looked. And then that can also tell you if you're maybe not seeing as clear as you need to, or that depth of field is not quite right yet. That's such a good tip. I never thought of that one. Yeah. Take a picture and then zoom in because you essentially want your eyes to be able to do that, right? Like the zoom yeah, they in. They need to be able out. to see, right? And I'd have students argue me sometimes. They're like, no, like my set looks great. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Well, okay. So I would take the picture and just zoom in and then they would be like, wow, I don't see that. And it would yes. be this big realization moment that they're not seeing it like that at all. And then, you know, so many students would just go get that eye check and they would bring the mannequin head and they would explain what they're doing to their oh. ophthalmologist or ophthalmologist and come back and they could see fine and then their career succeeded. So yeah. it doesn't mean that there's no hope. It's just, you got to be able to see right for that. And similar to you saying you saw double when you lash with contacts, I saw double when I was lashing at first, but that was an easy adjustment. The second I told my eye doctor, she goes, oh, I know exactly what to fix. Yeah. And, she fixed it. and I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it was great. You know, your doctors and all these people are your medical team, right? So your <laughs> yes. optometrist is your me- part of your medical team. Like LeBron James isn't going to go to a, well, everyone knows him, but let's say people didn't know who LeBron James is. He's not going to go to a chiropractor and not explain that he's a basketball player and then just be like, I'm sore, fix me. So same as you, <laughs> like, you know, as a lash artist, you should go to your optometrist and say, I am a lash artist. This is the nature of my work, right? So that your your like team, a professional knows how to get you to your optimal performance for your career. <laughs> so I know what's with me with all these sports analogy today. I know. Uh, I'm like, all right. <laughs> it makes sense though, honestly. <laughs> Funny thing is I don't watch any sports or play any sports. <laughs> But yeah, I think that like that's one of the things that I always attributed a lot of my earlier success in my career to my eyesight because it was just easier for me to see. And that became very clear to me and evident to me when I start training and seeing that students are completely missing their attachment and didn't think that they were missing their attachment at all, you know? So yeah, if you're having like at least check these areas, like I'm not saying that this is the only reason why, but like I was saying earlier, you try to attach the same lash three times, it's going to take longer than attaching it once. So this is a quick way to speed up, you know, your lashing process. And then the third tip that I have for you guys, it's really just be mindful of the products that you're using. Now, the first thing I think of when it comes to increasing lash speed is that if you think that you have good eyesight, you have good, you know, fundamental like skills, practice, and you're comfortable with attaching, maybe it's time for you to move on to a faster adhesive. So personally, I love using Time's Up at UA because I really like a fast drying adhesive because I have practiced to a point where making sure that my hands are very steady as I isolate and as I pick up. So my fan almost never move. So I really want to be able to go to my natural lash, place and then hold no more than three seconds, like one to two seconds, and then be able to let go and then make the next fan. So because after a while, this becomes a pattern where your hand is like almost like autopilot, like driving, right? But your tool has to work with you. So having a faster drying adhesive will immediately help you, you know, speed up your lashing time. So if you're somebody who's more experienced and you are just feeling like your adhesive currently is drying a little slower, I would really recommend trying Time's Up 
And I also really like Invisible Ink as well. Personally, I find that like in the right environment, it does dry a little bit quicker with the clear adhesive. So getting multiple adhesive, it's always been like my go-to. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I never just have one adhesive in my car. I always have two adhesive in my car, at least that has a different, slightly different dry time because the environment can change sometimes even within a day from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's very, very different. And sometimes adhesive just, you know, when something doesn't work, insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I always make sure that, you know, if I can't immediately change my environment and alter my environment, especially in the middle of a set, I want to have a different option of adhesive as a backup so that I can at least change my adhesive. So I like having invisible ink and times up in my car so that my go-to is always times up just because it's a lot faster in dry time. But I find that my environment is drying too fast and I kind of slow it down a little bit using an invisible ink. But having really good adhesive, like high quality adhesive also helps you prevent, using the right adhesive also in your environment helps you prevent like stickies, right? Because that's also going to speed up time. If you have no stickies, you don't have to remove stickies, you know? (laughs) So that's going to improve your dry time. I mean, your lashing time as well. There is something so magical about using the right adhesive in the right environment. Yes. (laughs) You know the feeling I'm talking about. yes, Yes. Oh, my gosh. Whenever it's just hitting perfectly, I think to myself, dang. I'm kind of good at this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm having a good time. I'm like really rocking and rolling. And, you know, I keep multiple adhesives as well because I, I actually keep retention and times up though. Because sometimes I need a slower adhesive, just like a little bit slower. And then other times I need times up. And I know we'll talk about that under like summer environment changes, but there's definitely a reason why I use certain adhesives during certain times of year as well. But yeah. Guys, like I hope everyone in your career experience that feeling yes. once and then get hooked and then always try to like achieve that feeling because yes. I think that's the flow stay for a lash artist. So good. It's the <laughs> so best good. feeling in the world when you're just like, oh my God, like everything gets in my favor. And really it's just because the adhesive is drying in the perfect time. That's what it is. Like that's all it really is. Because once that is working, your mental game becomes really strong. Because I don't know, you, another sports reference here, here. random <laughs> facts. Basketball is the only sport that has the most amount of home court advantage out of all professional sports. I don't know if you know this. So I kind of analyzed it and really thought about it. And one of the theory of this is because basketball is also the sport that scores the most. Every time when they score, when you are in home court, you are getting praised like nothing else, right? So that constant praising, it's what helps you build momentum and morale. So random fact, that's why one of the reasons why basketball has the most home court advantage. And in this case, using a good adhesive, because you are attaching like 200 lashes, like per eyes, you know, like a lot, isn't it? using a good adhesive is constant cheering for you. It's like, yes, yes, I'm good. I'm good. Yes, I'm good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I like now to think that that, that helps. It definitely does. I, I mean, I cheer myself on for it. I'm always like, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah. Now there is something to be said about that 
feeling though. Like it's actually feels like it's like magnetically grabbing, but you can tell it needs a second to kind of suction in and kind of like, I don't want to say fuse, but kind of like melt into there and get that good bond. So this is very different than what I see a lot in troubleshooting with UA stylists who say, it's attaching really fast. It's great. But then when I brush at the end or a day later, my client's lashes are all gone. So that could mean that you went the opposite way where now you're using too fast of an adhesive for your technique. So do not forget that. Sometimes you need to go a little bit slower with an adhesive and it's actually going to increase your speed, even though the adhesive dries a little bit slower. Yes, yes, for sure. (laughs) That's kind of like a slightly more like advanced tip when you're going through your troubleshooting like list like I feel like everyone should have a mental troubleshooting list you know when you're lashing to make sure or print it out paste it on your glam core or your light or something like that because that is a really good point that you're making there it's very deceptive when a glue is drying too fast because you don't it's harder to tell that yes. like it's not attached properly. Whereas if it's drying too slow, you get sticky. Like the signs that it shows you is more obvious to identify. Whereas a piece of drying too fast, it might be harder to identify. So yeah, absolutely. You're right. Like I always look for that magnetic feel. That's why I like doing volume a lot because like, you know, to me, when I'm in the flow state, it's like wrapping every single lash. It's like, oh, this is so good. I know. <laughs> Well, speaking of tool, not it's not just like your adhesive. I think adhesive is probably the hero thing that really you need to get it right and make it work for you. But everything else in your tool matters as well. If you don't have a good pair of tweezers oh, and gosh. you are making fans that looks pretty by the time you go and pick up and it just falls apart, it could A, be your skill. Maybe you still need to practice fan making a little bit more. So like I said... Put on that sitcom once every night, you know, for a week. I guarantee you that your fan making skill is going to get better. But if you're practicing and you're still not getting better or you're somebody who already know you make good fans, but you don't have a good tweezer, oh, that cannot be more frustrating. It's like almost as frustrating as using glue in a suboptimal environment, I feel like. Honestly, yes. Tweezers can make or break an application. Like I've just switched people's isolation tweezer and all of a sudden their hand cramps go away. They're lashing faster. They're like, I can finally isolate. And I'm like, what do you mean you can finally isolate? Because they were struggling so much by not using a really good tool. So yes, definitely exactly. important on both hands. <laughs> exactly. Like and isolation. So key. I'm curious, what's your favorite combo of tweezers like that you like to use? I like the BFF long and pitch perfect. What do you like about them? The BFF long, I do prefer a longer tweezer because I like to make it where my hand is resting more in my client's forehead and I don't have to creep up too close to their eye. And that just has to do also with my hand size too. So with like the length of my hand and like my fingers, I, I really do prefer a little bit longer of a tweezer. It gives me a little bit more control, a little less tension for my wrist too. And then Pitch Perfect I like because it's so precise. Actually like so is BFF at the tip. So just very precise. It has like a wide touch point for me. And I also like to be able to pick up not too close to the tip when I make a fan, just a little bit back. And so it accommodates like how I like to lash just perfectly for me. And low tension, I'm going to say that a lot because I do care about the ergonomics of the tweezer and the long-term effect it has on my body. So that's what I like. Now, I, I answered my question, but I'm like, wait a minute. What do you like? Because you, we actually made the UA tweezers off of like specifications 
of how you lash and what you found with your students worked well. And we created those custom molds and everything. It's actually a really, really fun project and it taught me quite a lot. So what I, I know this is like derailing a little bit, but like what made you design the way you did? What are your favorites and what advice would you give to artists if they're lost in knowing what tweezer to buy? It's just funny. I only ask you why is because I have the same favorite combo as you. No way. So I would just, yeah. <laughs> I have the same favorite combo, but I have to add something to that combo though. I would add the MO into that combo as well nice. because I don't just use one isolation tweezer. I like to use two isolation tweezer because I find that whenever your isolation that you're doing normally that you're doing isn't working, you shouldn't use the same isolation tweezer. And that's something that like, you know, I had experienced a lot in the beginning. Then I remind myself that quote, the insanity quote about repeating (laughs) things. And then I just picked up a different tweezer and I realized, wow, because I'm right-handed on the left side of both of my eyes. So that would be the outer corner of the left eye, the inner corner of the right eye. I have to use a straight isolation tweezer and it made a world of difference in isolating. So I think that that's the only difference I will add to the combo is I will add the MO into the combo. I myself also have like slender fingers and longer fingers. So the M, uh, BFF long, it's definitely my preference in that sense. I find that with a slender tweezer, it's more ergonomical because it's less bulky. I feel like you have one of the biggest thing like I wanted for all the tweezers is tension. I realized that a lot of the tweezer at the time when I was creating this line had a, it required a lot of tension in order to grab onto the fan. And it wasn't easy for beginner. It was really hard for beginner to really understand and navigate the tensions of their hands. But then if you talk to some older stylists, they are so used to heavy tension tweezer that they don't know how to use a lighter tension, but they all complain about hand cramps. They all complain about carpal (laughs) tunnels, you know? So I wanted to make sure that if you're a new artist, start with a tweezer that has lighter tension because it's going to set you up for the future where, you know, if you had to use tighter tension, you could, but most importantly, it's just making sure that you're protecting your hands, which is now the most valuable asset in your business. For the pitch perfect, I wanted something that can pick up a lot of fans, but visual light, like visual is really important for me. Because I want to be able to see the fan and I want to be able to see the base. So at the time before that, my favorite tweezer was just a sharpshooter. So if you're a beginner, I actually think that you should try a sharpshooter or like a boot tweezer like down to fan first because it has a wider surface area. So it's able to grip onto the hair a little bit tighter because more surface area gives you more security in the fan. But as you get better, I would say that try to go with less and less surface area in the tweezer, which that's how Pitch Perfect was really why it became my favorite. It's because it has the ability to pick up, you know, seven ADs, if right. I, like, you know, but it's very like precise, like you said, and slim and the boot so that I can see a lot of the fan. If you have, you know, confidence in your grip and things like that, you wouldn't lose any of the fan. But in the beginning, maybe like a down to like if you're thinking about like, I just want to start with something that is going to help me boost confidence, maybe starting with like a down to fan would be better. But tweezers is one of those things, just like your adhesive as well. I always have more than one in my car because (laughs) when you're frustrated, I, I don't know if this is like, you know, I'm not a superstitious person at all or whatever, but some days 
it's just not that tweezers day. You it's know? not. Why is that? <laughs> I have some theory. I think that A is because there's probably some residue like yes. on the tweezer that you're not really cleaning thoroughly, right? B is because at the end of the day, these stainless steel aren't like completely, they're not diamond. So as you use them, they're going to warp and they're going to shape. So I like having multiple tweezers so that I extend the lifetime of each tweezer instead of using one tweezer over and over every single day, pressing on the same spot, especially if your hand had built up that muscle memory, you're pressing in that same spot over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So a month from now, that tweezer's pickup spot can warp to be better or sometimes can warp to be not as great. And especially... If you're, you know, using different fiber as well, different diameter, sometimes, you know, one tweezer is just better for 0.07 and then another tweezer is better for mega volume. So it's one of those things that like, as a new artist, don't get too caught up. Like we had mentioned that in the very beginning, some other episode about, you know, things that you need as a new artist. And in there, we mentioned how like, you know, take your time to build out your studio, take your time to build out your tools and equipment and in lashing supply is the same thing. Like you don't have to buy two, three, four, five tweezers all at once. But I think it's one of those things that like if a company's doing a sale or something like that, you can add to your arsenal and then like, you know, continuous, maybe like set yourself a goal. Every three months, I buy myself a new tweezer. Every six months, I buy myself a new tweezer just to have it in a collection so that A, you don't have to rush when it comes to like cleansing. Like let's say if you're running late on a client, you can just take out a clean tweezer instead of sanitization and all of that. But then B, you know, you have tweezers that you can like, your tweezers like a paintbrush for you as an artist, you know? So you want to have as many paintbrushes as possible, but you can take your time to build that out. Like you don't have to rush into it, but I definitely, it's a, which is why our tweezer is different for every single one of them, because you, everyone has different purpose maybe works better with different fiber, maybe works better with different hand movement and things like that. So yeah, like having more in this situation, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's nice to like kind of try different things, see what works for you and identify what works for different types of applications. And I think that's an amazing way to go about it. However, you know, I'm going on the other end of it. If you're that stylist, because I know there's some of you listening who is switching tweezers 18 times through your application. <laughs> We've all had that student and some of us have been there. <laughs> like try to stick to one as you're learning. If you're switching too many things too often, you're just going to overly frustrate yourself and you're putting all the blame on a product. If you know it's a good quality product from a reliable yeah. source. You're putting a lot of blame there where it might just be something in your technique that could easily be adjusted. So do identify those different parts within like your practice. So if you buy one of the Untamed tweezers and you're like struggling a little bit, message us and we're going to work through it with you. We'll get some photos, videos, and let's get into it. We'll give you a little mini session if we need to. We'll help. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's kind of a really, really good point because I'm looking into photography right now, right? And a lot of the advice that I'm hearing senior photographer giving you is that like, in the beginning, there's so many different lenses that you can use. The best way you can get be good at photography is that don't allow yourself to go out into a shoot with more than one lens. Just take one lens and force yourself to shoot with that one lens. 
everything, shoot landscape, people, everything with that one lens. So you really learn how that lens works. So that in the future, when you get different lenses, like you really know how it works. So same thing with tweezer, like what you're saying, make me think about that. How if you got really good with using one tweezer, then in the future, when you buy other tweezers, you know how to, how that tweezer would work. But if you don't even have some familiarity with the tweezer you're currently using, then it's so easy to get frustrated because then you're adding more complication on top of things that you already don't understand. So really good point there. Thanks. <laughs> well, these are my tips for increasing your lash speed. So just like if you guys made it this far, didn't take any note, just kind of give you guys a refresher, a little quick bullet point, you know, <laughs> the first thing is show yourself grace leverage your brain to learn with you by doing more space repetition, which is practicing shorter span of time, but more consistently rather than sitting there for a really long period of time to practice. And then the second thing is making sure that you check your eyesight once a year, wear the appropriate eyewear that really helps you succeed in your career. And then the third one is invest in quality products that really works for you and your environment. And these, in the long run, it's going to really help you speed up your lash time. And so now that we talked about that, there's a second part of this podcast. (laughs) The second part is that like, there are some environmental things that happens, changes and consideration that we need to navigate during the summertime because we're getting busier, right? The busy time is when you accumulate clients that you would then hold on to for rest of the year. So how do we make sure that, you know, we're doing a good job and getting good retentions? What are the things that we have to take into consideration when the summer season approach? So many things. First off, your environment's changing. Humidity is higher. And that's not just within the application environment when you're working, but also like kind of just outside. When your clients are going outside, they're going to maybe sweat a lot more. They might wipe their eyes in a way that's not very kind to the extensions. They're doing different things than they used to. You know, they might be outside more gardening, traveling at the pool, you know, whatever it is. So lifestyle changes of the client too. I think these are all things that we have to consider and they're not too bad to make adjustments. And a lot of that is adjusting in your technique too. We mentioned earlier that you may need to use different adhesives for different application types, but also within different humidity or times of year. So even though inside my humidity is usually perfect at 50% in my application room, I love it. It's great. Still in the summer, for whatever reason, I do need to switch to a little bit slower of an adhesive. It's just reacting faster. So you might notice that. And that's okay because it's a slower acting adhesive, but it doesn't slow down my application speed at all because it's still performing. Like for me in summer, retention performs like Time's Up does in the fall and winter. So it's really interesting to me. So taking a look at your humidity, if you're noticing that inside you don't have great humidity control and you're coming in and it's 75% humidity in your room, you need that dehumidifier to just bring that back down. Um, Those are things you have to pay attention to. Um, You may need to really make sure you're doing a extra thorough cleansing before you begin to. The sweat. Spraying on that sunscreen. Sunscreen. The oils. Like, yeah, see, we already are thinking through everything we've seen. And don't be afraid to double cleanse if you need to before you begin that application. It's easy for us to kind of put that responsibility on our client. But guess what? If it doesn't last she's the one that's not going to come back. You know, you don't have control over that. It's affecting you. Exactly. So I would 
definitely do the double cleansing if you find that the retention isn't so great with this one client or you notice that this client because you know how some sunscreen you can like smell it like when you're getting close (laughs) to the face one thing that i know like from my experience is that in the summertime I lash next to a window. So my hygrometer was saying the same thing that you were talking about. Like the reading is on point, which is why I never really, me and hygrometer, we have a love-hate relationship. We'll get into that another time, but (laughs) (laughs) it gives me accurate reading. But I learned that it's because I lash next to a window and the window is what, like the glass absorbs a lot of heat and the hygrometer isn't really reading it. So if you lash next to a window in the summertime, what helped me was a blackout curtain. It really, really made a huge difference. About having a sense. blackout curtain to really help absorb the heat and then not radiating it back into the room. And that in a way that like your hygrometer doesn't even pick up. I think this is one of the reasons maybe your room, why even in the summertime is reading all the same thing, but it doesn't, like the adhesive works a little bit differently. Yeah, that's like one of the things that I did. It was like moving my bed a little further away from the window putting a blackout curtain. My favorite is lashing in the summer on a rainy day. That's oh my, my favorite. Not down in Houston. That <laughs> is a nightmare. When I see those days, I think to myself, oh, gee, should I cancel my book? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is very intense down here when that happens. So let's talk about that. Okay. So let's see. What was it that made your, the same situation, the same circumstances, a preferable lashing environment for me, but a not preferable lash environment for you. So let's like compare some of the things. So you're in Houston. I'm in Toronto. Houston average humidity in the summertime is what? Like 90, 100%. Like all the way up. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So in Toronto, average humidity, I'm I'm not going to like make this up. So I'm going to Google it for you guys. Humidity, Toronto, summer. Okay. Yeah, it says 93% is the peak so, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, like in the morning in Toronto, it's 82. But in the afternoon, it's 53. You guys see how huge right, of a difference true. that is? That's a massive difference in humidity level. And then also, mind you, I live in a concrete building condo. So the concrete just does not let any moisture in. That's another reason why I'm at 10% in the wintertime. So when it's raining in the summertime, it actually gives just the right amount of humidity and cool because it's cool and it's not so hot because the average temperature in the summertime, like the middle of the summer in Toronto, it's like, what? Let me see. Summer temperature. It is... 26, 27, 26 degree Celsius. So that is... Wow, that's really nice. No wonder you love summer up there. I know. <laughs> that's 78. like our maybe spring-ish, maybe. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but it still gets like like in the middle of the day, like summer when it's hot, like you saw 85% humidity and then it gets to like 30 something degree temperature. It's just hot. Right. But... When it rains, it just cools everything down and it's the perfect, perfect day to lash. But see how being in different part of the country, different geographically in the same circumstances can make such a huge difference. This is why sometimes it's very difficult for you to ask that question of like, what's your favorite adhesive to another artist who you really admire? It just shows how big of a difference this is in like lashing is so scientific sometimes. 
Absolutely, it is. <laughs> so do you have any other tips for us? Like, you know, with the changings of environment in the summer times that we can look out for and adjust to so that we can still get that great retention. I mean, there's so many tips, but I think the last one that I will leave you guys on to consider is just going over aftercare with your clients again, making sure that they're cleansing their lashes. And I know that there's a lot of information in the industry that says that like they should still have good retention either way. However, you want to really stress the importance of proper eye hygiene and eye health. So reminding them to cleanse because they could have that extra buildup around the lash line. And if they're starting to get irritated or inflamed or have any of those like pores clog, unfortunately, you cannot continue the application. So I would tell them that. And one reminder I give all my clients that's really helpful is being careful with their towels. So if they're at the pool, they're playing golf, whatever it is, and they're sweaty, they might pick up that towel out of habit, just wipe their face. And let's say that the extension wasn't attached perfect or it's slightly off or it was a boxy base. That towel can snag the base of that and just yeep. (laughs) like yank out the extension and the natural lash. So those are just a couple additional things that aren't necessarily humidity specific, but I do kind of remind people in the hotter times. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And then I guess last one is just, you know, tell your clients to be careful around barbecues and fires. Oh, you're right. That's a good one. We've yeah. all had that client. And if you haven't yet, you will one day. And you're yeah, you will it. one day. You You'll will one day. Burnt, crispy extensions. And you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I've been that client. So I've been that really client though. opening an oven. So that happened to me once. <laughs> opening the oven too close on broil. Don't do that. Well, guys, I hope all these tips today help you and get you on the right journey of thinking through all these different analytical things that could be affecting your application or your retention or the client's like overall happiness with the set that you're doing. As you're thinking through all these different points, feel free to reach out to us anytime and we'll troubleshoot a little further with you. And again, as Cheryl mentioned, depending where you're at geographically and where you're at within your skill level affects a lot of what we would recommend. So if you're like, wow, this was a great episode, but I need to dive in a little more, send us a DM anytime. That's all for this episode of Untamed. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at untamedartistry.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, as your study buddy, we are always here for you. Don't hesitate to send us a DM at untamed.artistry.